Ian had the pleasure to know both outside and in, but his attention seemed all for the faro table. Jag appeared focused on the play as well, but Ian had watched his friend an hour now, noting how his gaze strayed toward the merry, married Mrs. Rebecca Clark. A pretty bundle she was, all black curls and tempting curves, but just as Ian did not relish giving another man horns, his friend Jag shared the same sole inhibition. Ian could not resist a pitying grin. Jag was besotted, lost. Idiot! Lusting after a married woman was a waste of time, when so many willing widows peopled London's drawing-rooms, even the less-than-respectable drawing-rooms such as this one. Lavishly pointed, though. Ian glanced at the ormolu clock on the broad Italian marble mantel. The hour was late already. The lovely, recently widowed, Baroness of Weston would be waiting. His attention slid across the murky room. His brother leaned against the back of a chair at the hazard table. Eight years Ian's junior, Gregory had their mother's looks, not the typical chance black hair and clear blue eyes, but lighter locks and a darker gaze. Gregory shifted his lean frame from the game and sauntered over, much too at ease in this setting, more than a downy lad of four-and-twenty should be. But Ian couldn't complain. At least Greg hadn't yet lost the family fortune at the tables. Of course, Ian would never allow that. "'Win anything tonight, little brother?' he drawled. Gregory propped his buckled shoe on the footstool by Ian's boots— "'You know I have. You've been watching me as closely as you watched your colt win at Newmarket last week.' Gregory's mouth twitched up. "'Don't think I can go it on my own yet, do you?' "'I haven't an idea of what you can mean.' Ian cast an indolent eye at his brother's fashionable footwear. "'Been dancing, I see. Came from a ball earlier. You recommended the cobbler shop where I bought these, if you recall.' Never have occasion to wear your own sparklers, though, do you? Revolutions may come, emperors, kings, regents, and statesmen, too. But some reforms simply are never to be. Gregory chuckled. It doesn't make a difference anyway, Jack commented, moving beside Gregory. The ladies don't care whether you wear top boots to a ball or breeches to tea, chance. You go calling so infrequently, they'll do anything to entice you. Setting down his drink, Ian rose. The only ladies I bother with, my friend, are those rather more interested in what lies beneath a man's garments. Jag laughed, but his shoulders seemed stiff. Ian considered him beneath lowered lids. Too much elusive Mrs. Clark for one evening. "'Leaving so soon?' Stoopy stumbled toward them, his voice at thrice the volume of everyone else's. By the flush on his round cheeks, it seemed that he also enjoyed good fortune tonight. "'Widow Western awaits,' he leered lecherously. The voluptuous blonde that Stoopy had momentarily abandoned at the faro table caught Ian's gaze— She licked her red lips and winked. 
but Ian never grazed in the same field twice. More significantly, now she was under Drake's protection. "'Will you depart with me, Greg?' he said. "'Or go along with these fellows later?' "'I'll ride with you.' "'I'll come, too. Better to quit while I've still got a pony in my pocket.' With a final swift glance at Mrs. Clark, Jack followed them to the door. Thursday, Jackson's chance. Fight starts at four o'clock, Drake slurred as he returned to the blonde and the game. Ian took his greatcoat from a footman and went onto the street. London lay heavy beneath the pall of late autumn fog, gaslights glowing, haunted orbs in the black. Putting your blunt on left-hand Luke, Chance? Jack asked casually. Ian climbed into his carriage, upon which the Chance family crest.